0: Good morning, everybody. Are we ready to make a start? You're all very welcome. Great to see you. For uh, those of you who don't know me, my name's Colin, and I'm the pastor here. It's great to see you. We've been working through a, a well, what was a five-part? Hi, lesson. listening. Hi, good morning. Are you well? Uh, so we were, we were working through a five-part series on worship, which has very quickly become 6 so we, we have a value for uh, uh, the verse John five nineteen, which is that Jesus only did what he saw the Father was doing. So to give you a bit of context, got myself a little bit of revelation this week, and uh, just started to grow, and as I talked about it, it just started to grow and grow and grow and became, let's actually talk about this on Sunday, so five becomes six. So how that works, there was just something about, we were talking about in spirit and in truth, and there was part of it that I thought, I I don't feel like I've really communicated what that is, and how would I do that better? And and then, oh, there's a little bit of gold. So, we're going to go through that today. It's basically the process of meditation, which is the process of worrying. Is anybody here who would say that they are good at worrying? You don't want to do that. You don't want to say that you're good at worrying because there's power in your tongue. But basically, flip over worrying, and you've got meditation. So, as you worry, you're going to get really what is basically demonic revelation about the things that are going to go wrong and everything. Yes, everybody with me? As you think about the thing, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Well, in this spirit, as opposed to the spirit of fear, when you start to meditate on something, then you start to get cold on what the Father's doing and on what, uh, what is present within what God's doing at this time in your life. Does that make sense? So this is why we're here this morning. So I'm going to read through John 4. So you're going to have to bear with me. Um, if If you have a Bible with you, then please join me as we read through. So starting at John 4, verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So let's just take a quick pause, just to give you some background information. This scene is in Sychar, right, at Jacob's well. It is thought that it's the plot of land that was bought by Jacob in Genesis 33, verse 19, where it says, he bought a piece of land on which he had encamped, and he bought it from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. There he erected an altar and called it El Eloho Israel. My, uh, I was just going to say Greek or Hebrew, I can never remember, is getting better. El Eloho Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. This was after, if you know the story of Jacob, he wrestled with a man. It was after he had done that and received a new name, Israel. And the meaning for the name Israel was you have contended, which means persevered, and now have power with God and with men and you have prevailed. So why do I tell you all that? Well, why I tell you all that is it was for Jacob by his new name that he knew God and he had bought this plot of land. Which hundreds, I don't know how many years ago it was before. But at this point uh, then, Jesus is resting by this well and this woman comes. Okay? The number of a hundred, numbers are very important to God. If you haven't noticed, he numbers the hairs on our head, our days are numbered. And there's significance for different numbers in the Bible. Now the number a hundred is the number of completeness or wholeness. Ten times ten. You all know the verse John 10.10? Jesus said that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but that he came to give us life, and life in all its fullness. So after Jacob had wrestled, and then the angel touched the sinew of his hip, and he walked with a limp, he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me, and the blessing was that he walked with a limp. Go figure. I think there was more to the blessing than that. But it was at that point of wholeness, after he had wrestled with God, the man, or the angel of the Lord, as it's written in, that he bought the piece of land. And on that land was Jacob's well. And that's the context that all of this is happening in. Jacob's well is deep. It's a well of intimacy and a well of costly intimacy. So his name Israel uh, means that he is contended, that he has power with God and power with man. But the altar that he put up was God, the God of Israel. So at this point in Jacob's life, he realized that it was his God not somebody else's God. It'll all make sense as we go further on into this. We have a rich inheritance, and God sees everything in the fullness of time. So as we stand here, we stand in this part of time, but God being God is outside of time. But he comes to us in our moment of time, but he still sees the fullness of everything that's gone on. That's why I think it's important to mention the context of where uh, Jesus met this woman at Jacob's well. Right, are you with me? So we keep going with the passage. Right, here we go. Okay, so he was tired, and he'd sat down by the well, and it was about noon, when a Samaritan woman, this is verse seven, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? If you're a bit like me, it's hard to read that without her going, Look, you're a Jew, I'm a ain't happening. There's a wee bit of attitude present. Is anybody else perceiving that as she talks to him? Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep, deeper than she knows. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Well, is he? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her You're right when you say you have no husband The fact is you have had five husbands And the man you now have is not your husband What you have said is quite true Sir, the woman said I can see that you're a prophet She had questions for the prophet our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit. And his his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Powerful stuff. So she had come to Jacob's well. She was saying to him, are you greater? you think you know more than I do? Little did she know. But she also seems to know her stuff. So... From this, we need to understand that God is seeking worshipers. We talked a little bit about this last week, but He's on the hunt. So, do you know that He's looking for you? Do you know that? Do you get that? That He is actually looking for you? He's not wandering around just, He's looking for you. He's after you. It's not so much that we, the only, I was going to say it's not so much that we're seeking Him, but we are doing that. But the only reason that we're seeking is because is He's seeking us first, He's on the hunt. And this whole passage is about the process of becoming a worshiper in spirit and in truth. So Jesus only did what he saw the father doing, which is John five nineteen, And this is what the father was doing. The father, through the son, was seeking her. He was seeking her to become a worshiper. And when we participate with God as he seeks us, we become what it is that he's seeking. So the woman doesn't seem to be in the best place Judging by the context of what she revealed about her life. But Jesus met her exactly where she was. In her normal everyday life, Jesus met her exactly where she was. And as you look at this passage, as she participates with Jesus, as he is seeking her, or the Father is seeking her, we become what it is that he's seeking. Good. God's call comes with is enabling. Bill Johnson said this, which is a really great way to say it, being willing to do what you're not qualified to do sometimes will qualify you. So I come from a Presbyterian church background. God bless the Presbyterians, but they are not church planters. I am a church planter. We are either clinically insane or this is God, and I believe that it's God, as you all go, whew. Oh dear, that's a relief. So I, I, on the front of it, it does not look like I have the qualifications to do that. But if I'm going to stand by what Bill's saying here, it's true. When you're willing to do what you're not qualified to do, it will sometimes qualify you. God's call comes with God's enabling. And this process of becoming a worshiper is a process. Like I've said before, if you want to learn to drive, you don't just hop into the car and just start driving. You could. You could probably kill somebody and kill yourself or cause massive devastation. But this is a process. So let's not separate what we would do in our normal natural lives to the spiritual life and think that it's just about a download. It's not. It's a process. It's a seed that's sown, seeds come because we can't swallow the full tree. Our our part is to uh, garden the soil of our heart. If you look at Proverbs uh, 4.23, it says that guard your heart above all else because it's the wellspring of life. So your job is to look after the soil of your heart so that whenever the seed comes, whenever the revelation comes, that it's got a, a good rich soil. It's not too rocky. It's not got weeds that are present. It's a good soil. So that's our part. And the process of engaging God often starts with us in our soul and ends in the spirit. So she, Jesus said, can you give me a drink? And, and she said, no, I'm not giving you a drink. Um, and then she says, how are you going to get this water, this living water that you're talking about? He's in the spirit. She's very much still in her flesh. And if you notice, there's a bit of a ping pong process as they go through. She keeps coming back with, Well, he says, you want some living water? Well, how are you going to get the living water? Well, it's going to come as, you know, it's going to be a spring within you. And well, how's that going to work? But I really like the idea of not having to come here every day to draw the water. For so much of the passage, she is still talking about from her fleshy point of view. So it's a process. God may engage you on the level of your soul. And then it ends up in the spirit. She was looking for relief from her daily life. He wanted to give her life in all its fullness. The soul cannot perceive to even request what the spirit desires to accomplish. Our understanding does not have it, but we need to keep asking because primarily it's about relationship. But the more that we just step in, and as the song was singing deeper and deeper still, the deeper and deeper that we go in, then we can start to understand and perceive what it is that God wants to do with our lives. But our minds, our our wills, and just our our simple own understanding cannot do it. We often ask too little because our perspective, our own understanding, it just cannot support the weight of what the Spirit wants to do. And to be honest, if any of us really knew the destiny that He has for us, at this point we might freak out. You know, when you, uh, I don't know whether you've been uh, with in like seminars or something and somebody asks a question and as the person who knows what they're talking about responds, you just watch the person's brain go, Poof. they just can't handle what's been spoken. That's why God just gives us a little bit at the start because if we understood the fullness of the destiny of what he wants to do with us, do you have any idea the good things that he has in store for you? Jeremiah twenty nine eleven: for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to destroy you, and sometimes when we're just at the point of change, we go, "That's oh, all too hard. And sometimes I think God's going, come on, just hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, and they give up. And then he brings you back to the place where you hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And then you're stepping and go here. This is a wee bit more spacious. This is good. I don't feel like, oh, I'm not struggling with what I struggle with over there. Hold on. He's got amazing plans for you. Don't worry about the detail of it. Don't get all caught up in how it's going to happen. You can't make this happen. Just step in and step on. The soul cannot perceive to request what the spirit desires to accomplish. So at the point where Jesus says to her, um, "Go and call your husband and come back." And she, in utter transparency, just says, "There it is. This is, I don't have a husband." And Jesus then says, that's correct. You don't, you've had five and the one you now have isn't, isn't your husband either. The ministry of the prophet uncovers so much about her. It's at this point, at this point, when she understands in her spirit that she is known, that she then steps into the spirit. It stops being about the flesh and about the water and about satisfying material needs. It all of a sudden kicks into the place of I get what's going on. She's beginning to move in the spirit. And it's the revelation that she is known by God that causes her to do that. So do you know that he knows you? We all need to know that he knows us. That's the very thing that will cause you to go after him. Whenever I'm in worship, I'm sure it's the same for you. And you get those moments. Sometimes it feels like God just explains certain circumstances to me, or I'll say, "Did you, you know, that little thing that you thought was totally insignificant? Well, actually, here's the significance of it." Or he'll say something about my past and bring it up, or he'll tell me something about a relationship, or he'll say something about me that I didn't think was typically important, um, and. And I just know that I'm known. I know that I'm loved. So a really, really uh, seemingly superficial circumstance happened to me years ago. I was, now you may think this is ridiculous, but I am going somewhere. I was uh, in work, and I love making poached eggs. Anybody else a poached egg fan? Figured out how to do it. The way you've got to keep it moving, keep it moving. If you don't, that sucker's going to stick to the bottom of the pan. You've got to get out your, Claire hates those, you know, those wire brush scrubby things. But they are the dogs for getting the, uh, Bit of the egg off the bottom of the pan. So anyway, I'm making a poached egg. Re- You've got to understand, whenever that egg cracks, part of me's devastated. All right, If that yolk cracks, my poached egg is not quite the same. I had one egg in work. And just before I cracked that egg, now you're going to think this is ridiculous. But the Holy Spirit said to me, it's going to break. And it broke. And I was like, my egg broke my egg broke this is devastating. it's never the mountains that'll get you down it's the stones in your shoe isn't it it's the little things that'll tip you over the eggs now, people are like what's wrong my yolk broke you're what um, so anyway I'm reiterating this to Claire and I said look love this is really I'm telling you because I, I think it was just me and I said I, I, you know the way I like my eggs don't no? yeah. and I said I was cracking this egg and just before the spirit said that egg's going to break I said that couldn't be God and she said it really is And I said, well, why? She said, he knows you. He knows you. He cares enough to tell you that your yoke's going to break. Your yoke's going to break. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Can you receive that? Your yoke's going to break. The little things that go on in your natural life are often symbolic, 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 symbolic of what's going on in the spirit. They're symbolic of what's going on in the spirit. He knows you and He loves you. If there's something wrong with our children and it's just something little, and to you it may be, that's ridiculous. Why are they caring for that? Because we love our children. He knows you. You've got to know that you're known. If you do not know that He knows you, you will not step into the spirit. And that's exactly what happened. She unconcealed herself. She came out of hiding, she unveiled herself, and she stepped into the truth. And the truth released the revelation to her that she is known by God, which caused her to worship him for who he is. So as you get to know him, you'll get to know yourself. And you'll start to stop apologizing for yourself, and you'll start to let people feel the weight of who you are. Because there's a lot of joy to be had for you to be you. Can you receive that? There's a lot of joy for you to have, for you to be you. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. Receive that what he made you to be and how he created you is perfect. He's perfect in all his ways. And grace is given to the humble. We need to know that we are deeply, specifically, and intimately known. Psalm 139, I'm sure most of you have read it. If you haven't read it, he knows a word before it's on your tongue. Luke 12, verse 7, even the hairs on your head are numbered. Now, You might say that it's ridiculous that he told me that the yolk of my egg was going to break. Well, what's the point of having the hairs on your head numbered? I don't know what it is. Pretty darn sure there is one. But he's into detail, and he's into detail of your life. When you worship what you do not know, it's merely religion. It's not relationship. So let's not do that. Let's get to know him. And it is her desperation that is uncovered as basically the ministry of the prophet comes into her life. Because after that, if you start let me go back to this passage. Um, Whenever Jesus said to her, uh, uh, um, the man that you you have now is not your husband, what you've said is just quite true. Uh, At that point she said, uh, I can see that you're a prophet. And then she starts to say, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place that where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And then comes one of the most profound teachings on what it means to worship God. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God often will ask us, well, what's going on in your life? Not because he doesn't know, we talked about this last week, but as we reveal as we begin to tell the truth about where we're at, as we begin to own up to the fact that we can't say no or that we often do that or we look here for satisfaction there or we're looking for this in circumstances or it's really about us or whatever it is, as we come into agreement with him, which is basically repentance, when we step into alignment with what he he knows to be true about us, we are set free. It's like those circumstances where just, there's something not right. You just, you're talking with somebody, they say they can't make something or just something odd's going on and you're going, there's something not right about the circumstance. And then they come and say, well, actually this is going on. And what do you know? You feel free. Ah, that makes total sense. We've all had those moments, haven't we? Where you're just talking to somebody and they unveil a little piece of information. Ah, I'm set free. So it's the truth that sets you free. When we are confronted by the truth about us, we only, at that point we realize that we are counted by the truth which is the person of Jesus Christ and after that at verse 28 that's when she abandoned her old means of sustaining life because now she discovered that there was a fountain within her her priorities had shifted our priorities change when we know that we are known deeply and intimately by God so here's a question for you What buckets do you need to leave behind? What things do you have in your life that you go for to bring refreshment to you? Mel Gibson, uh, who's, I think, struggled with alcoholism most of his life, said that he either goes to one of two spirits, one being Jack Daniels. How often do we do that? We go to our flesh looking to satisfy what really we only get healing from in the spirit. I've been there. You know, for a time in my life, I just wanted to sleep. Because it was the only time that I could rest from the, the kind of tormenting thoughts that were going on in my head. Is it other people's smiles? Are you looking for somebody to say, great job, well done? Do you know when I send out a devotional? Please don't do this after I say this. But on a Monday when I send out the devotional, my soul screams. It's just, oh, somebody emailed me back and tell me it was good. And then on the weeks when somebody does or two or three, you're like, it was good. It was really good. Well, what if it was just good before nobody responded? I, ha- You you want me to believe that I have something to say, don't you? You want it to be something that you believe I've heard from God to impart to you. So I better be able to stand on my own conviction in front of God that this is what he wants me to say. Now, please, it's, don't stop sending those emails if you do. It's lovely. Uh, my soul loves every, every little bite. But it's not about that. But every Monday, welcome to my world. Nobody responded. Oh. <laughs> Just check it again. It was, I think it was pretty good. Or the other one is the weeks where I'm going, I don't think that was that hot. People are like, I read your devotional and I swear I was met by an angel. <laughs> my finances changed, my life was just unbelievable. And I'm like, I thought that was rubbish that week, I have to say. As this microphone falls down. So when we know that we are known, our priorities will change. And we need to leave our, our buckets behind. So we either go to the flesh or we go to the spirit. Um, Here's one other thing. Do we go to fantasy? Do you ever do the, if only they weren't there, or if only they were there? Do you ever think, well, only, I, I'm a role player, so if there's a difficult conversation that we had, I'll often role play that conversation before, sometimes to understand what it is that I want to say, and other times to try and sort of think it through. But do you do that? Do you think if this circumstance was different, if I had this, if I didn't have that, if I didn't struggle with this, and if I didn't struggle with that, When his grace is enough in reality, his grace is not enough in fantasy. So maybe that's a bucket that that you need to leave behind. If God lives in you, then there's a fountain of what you need already in you. Is that the truth? Don't miss from this passage that in the natural, it was a completely wasted and unsuccessful journey. Completely useless. She may as well not have bothered. But in the Spirit, it was an absolute success. So don't evaluate the activity of the Spirit by the understanding of your soul. How many times have all of us done that? Well, that was a wasted journey. That was a wasted investment of relationship. Why did I live in that space? Why did I do that job? Well, that didn't work out there. That's not the way to do it. We want to be people who are able to go I know what the spirit was up to. John five nineteen. Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. We want to become like him. We want to be looking for the activity of the father in our lives and going, that's what he was doing. That chance encounter, that bumping into somebody, that person that served you uh, in the garage that looked a little irritated, that person behind you in the car, uh, that situation in work that kicked off, that uh, job that didn't work out, Now, we cannot justify when we make poor decisions by saying, well, God promises that he works all things together for good. That's because he's a good father. He's going to work it out for good. But don't miss the detail of your life. Don't deem unsuccessful unsuccessful what the Spirit says is successful. And reaching. Let's read the end of the passage here. So she's left behind her bucket and she's gone back into town. Verse 39 Many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. She's saying, he knows me, he sees me, and he loves me. Back to verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two more days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So she meets Jesus, she goes through this whole process, and then she cannot help but abandon her bucket and get straight back to town and tell everybody about what had happened and who she'd met. It's about intimacy and it's about impact. So she meets him and then she goes and she just starts telling people. She didn't need to be trained about it. Now training, of course, has value, but she countered Jesus and she went and told him, it is the urgency of your testimony that is gonna urge the people to come. So be urgent about it. Be telling people what you're experiencing. Be transparent about your journey. Your testimony creates curiosity. And if that's all it does, and they start going, what is this? How many of you are here just because you heard stories? We've got a great testimony. This is a good segue. We had a great testimony this week from uh, Kingdom Kids. And we want our uh, children in this church to be able to uh, do all the stuff that we would do. Because Jesus said that don't dare keep the kingdom from the children. So they can do the stuff just as we can. And we got a text. um, I'd received a text yesterday. Ruth, who heads up the Kingdom Kids, said that um, a little girl called uh, Grace, who is Stephen Tracy's uh, child, um, is 99% healed of a skin issue that she has had for most of her life, Tracy, or since she was born, because she had got prayer from the kids and kingdom kids. Yeah. Good stuff. We, I, I'm sorely tempted if I'm not feeling too hot to go in there and go, would you mind? Really? Well, the kingdom's theirs, so why, why, why are we shocked by that? We'll maybe do that sometime. We'll bring them in and have them minister to us. Why not? That's a, you can argue with what we believe. You can say, well, well, I don't stand on that ground. You cannot argue that Grace is not struggling with a skin condition like she was before. And I guarantee you that's changed her life. Yeah, and it's changed yours too, probably having to go through the process of trying to get it, get it uh, sorted and managed. So if you're struggling, you can go in and ask them. Got a bit of a gummy leg here. The cool Isaac's great. He was praying for me for something. God, you can really, really do this. Just take his cold away, would you? Amen. <laughs> None of this. Now, God, Father, this is your son and servant, Colin Woodward, and he has loved you for many, many years. No, he's sick. Make him better. Amen? Because the prayers of the righteous avail much. Am I right? So Jesus didn't need to tell this woman to share her story. She couldn't help it. So whatever, this is not going too well this morning. So whatever it is that He's doing for you, talk about it. Make it urgent. Let your testimony create curiosity in those that you're in relationship with. Can I get the band up if you guys would like to start to play? So in conclusion, let's realize that we're being sought after. We want to be a people who are on the hunt for Him. But we want to realize that the only way that we can know that we should be hunting for him is that he is seeking us. And he's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. So let yourself be found. In our culture, we're not too hot at letting ourselves be loved or letting ourselves be found or receiving gifts. Hang about with me. I'm tremendous at it. Somebody wants to give me something, thank you very much. It's really very kind hang about with my wife, and she might say, no, 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 no. In fact, sometimes she says, Colin, you're far too quick to say thank you. We need to learn to be able to receive things. So let's receive the fact that he is seeking us. Don't hide your stuff. If you've got stuff in your life, hey, if, we've all got stuff in our lives. Don't hide your stuff. Tell him as it is. It'll set you free. And worship him with all you've got everything with complete abandon and if that's that you just know what abandon is to this much then worship him to that much you'll understand that bit more and share your story Andrew was saying that uh, these seats can be filled so bring people and bring them open handed come on you don't have to agree to sign up and come for the rest of your life just come on let them meet Jesus for themselves can we stand together As always, we want to um, be about whatever the Holy Spirit's about. So we want to eat whatever He's serving. So I have some questions for your consideration. Um, If you can answer yes to any of these questions, I would say, look, I would give up answering the questions. to just come to the front when I'm done. But are you realizing that God is seeking you? Are you getting it? He's after you. He's not after that. Well, He is after them too, but He's after you. Do you want to know that you're deeply known and loved by him? And are there any buckets that you need to leave behind? As I was going through, I often get convicted. I'm here to leave my buckets behind today as well. And are you ready to share your story with urgency? If you are, come on and join me at the front now. So we're going to worship for a time. Come on. We're going to worship for a time. And then we're going to uh, be ministered to you. So Holy Spirit, come. We realize and recognize that it takes you to worship you. So we ask that you would come. We ask that in the places where we feel insufficient, we would realize that we have streams of living water bursting out from within us. So come Holy Spirit and increase your presence here.